Well, good morning. Welcome to Elgin Baptist Church. Thank you for joining with us in our service this morning. I trust and I pray that you will indeed be blessed as we praise God in song and as we open up our hearts and minds to his word. Uh, we're also joined this morning by our friends at Forest Baptist Church and we're delighted to have you uh, with us. Writing in Colossians 1 verse 27, Paul speaks of Christ in you, the hope of glory. We're going to sing about that in our first song, Christ our glory, Christ our hope, followed by a song that reminds us that Jesus as our good shepherd leads us. He leadeth me. Let's pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. As we come to you this morning, we come in and through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who is our great high priest, the one who is the way, the truth, the life, the one who is the good shepherd, the one who is the chief shepherd, the one who laid down his life. For the sheep and Lord as we come we come clothed in his righteousness and we come to acknowledge that you are God above all that beside you there is none other you are holy and majestic you are sovereign you are all-powerful and we confess before you our sins and shortcomings we thank you that with you, O oh God, there is indeed forgiveness. Lord, we count our blessings. We thank you for all your goodness to us. We, we pray, Lord, that, that you would make us a thankful people. We, we live in times of, of great uh, difficulty for many people, Lord. And, and we come this morning and we continue to pray regarding the coronavirus we, we see further restrictions uh, placed upon us and uh, we, we pray father that that this virus would be eradicated we pray father for the impact that it is having on people's health uh, physically and mentally we, we think on the impact that it is having on, on the uh, economy of the country we, we think of those who who are fearful of the virus we think of those who are fearful concerning their their employment and and their work lord and and we just pray lord we pray for for an end to it all we we think on how how the psalmist cries out how long O oh lord and we do ask that for you lord to intervene in this whole situation but amid everything that is going on, Lord, we, we thank you for your blessings. And we thank you for our health and strength. We thank you for food and clothes. We thank you for soundness of mind and body. We, we thank you for uh, the opportunity to, to praise and, and to worship you, Lord. We thank you that we have uh, your word. And uh, we thank you that, that we have the freedom to, to worship you. And, and Lord, for all your goodness, we do indeed we give you thanks and lord we pray this morning for those who are grieving and mourning 
We commit them into your care. We thank you that you're the God who draws near to the, the, the broken-hearted, Lord. And, and we think particularly um, this morning on, on the Mulholland family. And we pray for Lily and all the family and for, for David and Jean and Ian and Winnie and Lord Wendy. We ask you, Lord, to be uh, with them all at, at this time. We thank you that you are the God who hears our prayers. And as we come to you now, we just commit all things into your care. So bless us, lead us, guide us, encourage us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, boys and girls, Christmas is coming. I know it's still a little bit away, but um, you will know that over the many years now, uh, as Christmas comes nearer, we begin to support Blytheswood with their shoebox appeal. And what we're going to do just now is we're going to watch a, a, a short video that tells us all about the Blytheswood shoebox appeal. Well, there we go. Hopefully we'll still be able to, to support Blytheswood in, in this appeal this coming year. We have a number uh, of, of these leaflets. Uh, if you would like one, just, just let me know and, and we'll get them to you. We're going to sing a little song just now that, that reminds us that, that we can let uh, we can do our part and, and it encourages us to let our little light shine. So we're going to sing this little light of mine. Father, we thank you for all the many things that you give to us. We think on how we have so much and yet so many have so little. And this morning we thank you for the work of Blytheswood. And in particular, we thank you for the shoebox appeal. And we commit this work to you. And we ask you to bless those who give and those who will receive. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we continue our studies in First Thessalonians. And I invite you to turn with me to First Thessalonians 5. And we're going to just read verses 12 through to 15. Now we ask you, brothers, to respect those who work hard among you, who are over you in the Lord, and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard and love because of their work. Live in peace with each other. And we urge you, brothers, Warn those who are idle, encourage the timid, help the weak, be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always try to be kind to each other and to everyone else. Amen. May God bless not just the reading, but our understanding and applying of his word to our hearts. Well, before we turn to these verses, let us prayerfully, prayerfully sing, Holy Spirit, living breath of God. Lord, as we come now to your word, may as we have just sung the Holy Spirit, make your word to come alive in us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, Paul is now drawing his letter to a close. Even although, as most preachers do, 
he began his finally back in chapter 4, verse 1. However, if you look back to chapter 4, he has been concerned that they hear how they are to live in order to please God. And surely, brothers and sisters in Christ, that should be the desire of us all. We should want to live our lives in such a way that pleases God. And what Paul has been doing since, since the beginning of chapter 4 is he has been teaching them certain things that they were lacking in their faith. And these last two weeks, we have seen that being centered on the glorious truth that one day the Lord Jesus will return. But as you look at these verses that we've just read, we see that theme of living to please God continuing. As he addresses Christian responses to leadership and to one another. You recall how back in chapter 1 he describes them as a model church. So we have much to learn from them. We have much to learn from what Paul is saying in these verses. And in these verses he is once again using the imagery of family. That is something you'll recall that he used back in chapter 2 when he spoke in terms of being like a mother to them and of a father towards them. Well, in these verses, he uses the word brothers twice and then he uses it a further three times in verses that follow and which we'll pick up on next week. And what we need to remind ourselves of is that the word here that Paul uses for brothers is inclusive. It includes the whole community, both men and women. And these are his final instructions in how they are to function as a church in order of one, how to live pleasing God, and two, how to live in the light of the return of the Lord Jesus. And I want to suggest to you that what Paul says here, the instruction that Paul gives here, stands the test of time. And they are as relevant for us today, whether we are in Elgin, whether we are in Forest, or wherever else we might be, as they were for the church in Thessalonica in the first century. So, with that in mind, let's look at them under just two headings. Firstly, from verses 12 to 13, we see what Paul says about their relationship to church leadership. It's important we see in these verses that Paul is not speaking here regarding the structure of church leadership. He, he does that in, in his other writings, uh, most notably the, the pastoral letters to Timothy and Titus. It seems to me that he is speaking more about the support for those who are in leadership from the rest of the church fellowship. And as one who has been called into church leadership, in one sense, these verses are quite hard to preach on for two reasons. Let me give the two reasons. One, and by far for me the most important, is, well, how do I measure up in the light of what Paul says? And secondly, as you listen, remember that, that this is the word of God, and it's not just me looking for platitudes. In any family, 
And remember, Paul holds the church as a family, brothers and sisters with the same father. But like any family, the church needs leadership. The church is no different. God in his wisdom has given various gifts to his church and one of those gifts is leadership. And as we look at what Paul says, I actually see it as something of a two-way street. I and, and other leaders have to answer some of the hard questions and some of the statements that Paul makes here. And you need to see how you respond. First of all, he calls on the wider church to respect them. But to do so because they work hard among you. Not just respect for respect's sake. Not just respect for the position, but for the person. Because they are a leader. But primarily because of the hard work that they do. You know, it's not the case that as someone once famously or infamously said, that pastors are six days invisible and on the seventh incomprehensible. Uh, they work. And twice Paul makes that point. He says, who work hard among you. And because of their work. You see, it was their work and, and also their conduct that saw them in places of leadership. And this was in many ways countercultural to, to the time. One writer makes the point that in Paul's time, in the civic and the social clubs and in the associations of the day, leadership was for those who had wealth and status. People were put into positions of leadership just because of who they were or what they had as opposed to being the right person. And scripture is clear in regards to those who should be in church leadership. And it's not about status. It's about service. That's why twice in these verses Paul speaks and refers to their work. F.F. Bruce comments in, in one of his books that leaders did not do the appropriate work because they have been appointed as leaders. They were recognised as leaders because they were seen to do the work. It's, it's my belief that you do not appoint someone to leadership in the hope they will get involved, but because they are already involved. That, that is what Paul did with Timothy. <coughs> In Acts chapter 16, we read that the brothers spoke well of Timothy. Timothy was already involved. Timothy was already committed. Timothy was already uh, showing uh, prospects of leadership. And Paul saw that potential. And Paul took him on board. So for those leaders who work hard, and that's the challenge for leaders. For those leaders who work hard, for those leaders who admonish, and this refers to teaching, then the call is clear. 
They are to be respected and held in high regard. I, I, I love the balance that Paul strikes here. Notice it carefully. He speaks of leaders being among, but also over. And, and, and that is a hard balance to maintain. It infers that we're neither to be kind of overly pally, nor overly powerful. And at the end of verse 13, Paul gives us the how-to when he says, live in peace with each other. Live in peace with each other. Yes, as in all families, there will be times when we might not agree. Yes, there might be times when we might not agree with those in leadership. But brothers and sisters, when there is mutual appreciation and affection between leadership and congregation, then happy is that church. May we all seek to live in that peace. Secondly, in verses 14 to 15, Paul addresses the church membership. He is, of course, addressing the whole letter to, to, to the wider fellowship. But here in, in these verses, he is speaking about their role, their work, as opposed to that of the leaders. You see, it is just a well-known fact that, that no one man and no one leadership can do everything. We all need one another. We all need to play our part. It is something that has come out time and time again as, as we've been looking in Sunday evenings in Nehemiah. We all need to be in it together. And, and just like in any family, all of us have got to pull our weight. And Paul urges the brothers, the whole church, to do certain things. That, that is, he calls on the whole church to get involved. And he tells them how they can get involved. He, he begins by telling them to warn those who are idle, to encourage the timid, to help the weak, to be patient, not to seek revenge, be kind to everyone. And, and, and yes, the ultimate responsibility of this kind of care lies with the leadership, but it's not the sole responsibility. Paul is urging them all to look out for one another. Uh, let me just say, in, in, in passing, it has been so encouraging, uh, not just the past seven months, uh, it's, been, it's been a part of this fellowship for, for many years, but particularly over these past seven months, it has been so encouraging to see how one people are looking out for one another. And I encourage you to keep on doing that. You see, if, if we keep the family motive to the fore, that then with all families, within all families, that there are those who fall into the categories that Paul speaks of. And, and the church is just the same. He speaks of the idol. Idol. That, that is those who do no work. 
here in Thessalonica, some thought that, well, you know, Jesus is returning soon, so like we'll just give up our work and, and, and we'll seek to be ready for it. Paul says, no. Warn those who are idle. You see, the devil will find use for idle hands. Writing in Ephesians 2 verse 10, Paul tells us that, that we are God's workmanship, that we are created in Christ Jesus. Why? For what purpose? To do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. What a wonderful thought. That in time eternity past, God prepared work for you to do. There should be no such thing as an idle Christian. We should all be involved in the work. We should all be involved in the fellowship in one way or another. And, and there are so many, many ways to serve. So, brother, sister, beware of idleness. Then there are the timid. And the word that's used here can mean those who, who are worried, those who are discouraged, those who are fearful. And that, if we are honest, is something that we all probably will go through from time to time. There are people today in the current climate who are worried, who are fearful. There are those who are discouraged. What are we to do? Well, we're to draw alongside them. We're to encourage them. We're to be there to listen and to share. How we all need encouraging all of us. I, I, I just love the account that is given in First Kings 19. I'm sure you know it well. Where, when Elijah... After such a great victory on Mount Carmel, it flees in terror of Jezebel. And, and, and we find him under the broom tree, really despondent, really discouraged. Just like feeling like giving it all up. In fact, he prays that he might die. And an angel comes. And he gives them something to eat. And he lies down and he rests. And it is after that that he is ready to get back up again. You know, sometimes we just need someone to come and draw alongside us. Can I say that that applies equally to those in leadership? The same is true of the weak. And again, the word that's used here can, can describe uh, various applications of, of weakness. It, it, it can describe, for instance, um, moral temptation, spiritual shortcomings, physical weakness. It, it even can cover economic need. Paul says, help them. Provide for them. Do you see what's going on here, brothers and sisters? This is all member ministry. For, for again, what one of us 
leaders included have not felt like this. And in that time when we have felt like that, how grateful have we been when someone either warned us or encouraged us or helped us go and do likewise. Then maybe the hardest part. Paul says, be patient with everyone. You, you see, again, as we keep to this family metaphor, uh, there is the danger, isn't there, within a family that, that we look on the idol, the weak, the timid, as the kind of problem child. You know, um, those of us who have had the privilege of, of being parents know that raising children takes great patience. I, I think that is why the older we get, the more impatient we become. It seems we've kind of used it all up in the bringing up of our children, or at least that's my excuse. Be patient. It's hard, isn't it? But patience is a gift of the Spirit. And it would be essential here in Thessalonica. Because remember that they are a young church. Remember that they are going through a tough time. Persecution. They have real concerns about dead loved ones. They are unsure of the future. And pressure and stress is, is, is there. And when that is there, then patience is vital. And in verse 15, he speaks against revenge. He speaks the same in, in Romans 12, 17 to 21. But here he's saying, do not repay anyone evil for evil. As far as it depends on you, see the onus is on us. As far as it depends on you, live at peace. Paul is just mirroring here the teaching of Jesus on the Sermon on the Mount. Yet how often, if we're honest with ourselves, how often is there the danger to get even? Someone says something, or someone does something, and we feel the need to, as it were, even the score. Well, brother, sister, retaliation, revenge, is not an option for the believer. We are to forgive and we are to leave things with God. Be kind to each other. That is, be kind to those within the fellowship and to everyone else. Brothers and sisters, as a church fellowship, this is how we are to live in order to please God in the light of the coming of the Lord Jesus. It is, as I said, all member ministry where respect and love and peace and urging and encouraging and caring and sharing and kindness emanates from, as it were, from the pews out to the people. And, and it's not optional 
It's not a kind of pick and mix and we'll have a bit of this or a bit of that. You remember pick and mix when when Woolworths was all the rage and you could go in and you could pick some of this or some of that. I love the the pink shrimps and the the black currant pastels. Just kind of left all the rest. That's not an option here. And it can't all be done by one person or a few people. Paul is addressing the whole church. As I've said more than once this morning, we are all in it together. And leaders have a responsibility to carry out their calling. And church members, and let me just say that I actually believe church membership is both scriptural and important. They are to carry out theirs. And you know, when that happens, then to, to, together, leaders and members and all of the fellowship, as they care for one another, so they will grow together in Christ. The church at Thessalonica was actually just mirroring the early church in Acts. In chapter 4 of Acts we read, all the believers were one in heart and mind, they shared everything they had, there were no needy persons among them. As we think on these things this morning, we need to ask yourself, is, is this just kind of some, is this just some kind of um, utopia that Paul is speaking of? No. No. It is what we are called to be. It is what we are called to do. And, and if we are honest, it's, it's not rocket science, is it? You, you will be well aware if you have listened this far into the sermon and well done. But, but this is no kind of deep theological sermon. Paul is here being deeply practical. As you've heard me say often, it's, it's not the things in Scripture that I don't understand. That, that, that seem nowadays to give me the biggest problems. No, it's, it's the things that I clearly understand. It's the things like what Paul says here that are kind of as plain as the nose on your face. Paul is saying here, look, brothers and sisters, look, church at Thessalonica, church at Elgin, church at Forest, church at wherever you may be. If you want to live to please God, and Paul says, respect your leaders, care for one another, encourage one another, don't look for revenge, live at peace, and be kind. Can you imagine the impact that a fellowship living and working like this would have on one another and to those watching on. Let me finish this morning with a quote from John Stott. 
who says this. Happy is the church family in which leaders and people recognise that God calls different believers to different ministries, exercise their own ministries with diligence and humility, and give to others the respect and love which their God-appointed labour demands. Brothers and sisters, may we be such a church for the glory of God and for the good of others. Lord, in whatever gifts and role you have called us to, may each one of us know what it is to serve you and to serve one another and to do so in love and all for the glory of God. Amen. Our closing hymn encourages us this morning to turn our eyes upon Jesus. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen. Well, thank you once again for listening in. If you would like to know more about us as a church or much more importantly, what it means to be a Christian, then please do get in touch with us. Details will appear on the screen. But once again, thank you and may God richly bless you in this coming week.